When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome back under the cosh, are you? Hey, I've been back. In the... We're getting a little roll, aren't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not a Mr. Wheat yet, are we? Oh, no. Fortnite. New environment, no Sam again. Disappointed on Thursday as well. To be fair, as well. <laughs> <laughs> he, he told me. He told me there'd be beer involved. That's, that's, the, only why, that's the only reason I'm here. I'll be totally honest. With you. That's the only reason I've come because there's beer involved. This is where they do it. We're doing the bar in Manchester. This is what? Like, I mean, brilliant. No bother. I think we've stepped it up a gear as well. Don Matteo today. You two ragamuffins. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, listen. When 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 Parky asked me, it was obviously I'd listened to a couple, and it was great to to come down and, and, and have a go. It's kind of my style. Bit of banter and also talk a bit of football. I think it's uh, rough. That's yeah, what, the style yeah. is rough. Rough. Well, <laughs> 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 don't expect anything. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, nice to be here. Proper career as well. You know, but, but it's a bit of a. Is that Endo's tour as well? Yeah, look at me. Do you know what? <laughs> Do you know what? I'm used to when, when I've had my notes on YouTube, like three streams of paper for all clubs you've been at. My medical notes. And, and they went four or five clubs. I mean, the thing, the, the thing about. I think I'd love to have played more games and stuff, but my injuries kind of got the better of me, and I probably was not looking after myself as well at times. And I think any player of my, I always feel that my my age group were the last of a generation to look at yeah. myself like myself, Ray Parler, people that age group. That drinking culture was such a huge part of being a footballer back then. I always felt if I wasn't with the lads in the boozer, I wouldn't get in the team. It finally, because like you weren't part of the group. For the drinking, you never seem like you got in the team. At Liverpool, we used to joke about it sometimes. If you weren't part of the, uh, if you weren't out, you weren't in. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I probably, I probably took that a bit too much to heart. <laughs> obviously, being at a club like Liverpool, you probably wouldn't expect that. But I think it was yeah. just throughout football. At, um, do you think? Do you think you got away with it more because everyone were doing it? Every, yeah, every I mean, footballer at every I, club, and I think, Tuesday I, club, Saturday you, club, you, Sunday club. You know what? You, now there was Tuesday clubs. You know, some of the lads, some of the senior players at Liverpool, they liked a Thursday before really? a Saturday. Not a load of beer. You know, I think it was Russia used to go out on a Thursday and have maybe six pints in, you know, in a, in a booze or somewhere, and then go out and be, you know, an absolute legend on the Saturday. But it's part of his routine. I think a lot of players relaxed them a little bit. You know, sometimes I remember people like Stevie Nick in the room would probably have a couple of cans. On a Friday, on you know, a Friday, yeah, you know, and just not not a lot, just a couple of drinks. Take the edge off. Take the edge off. Maybe maybe help you sleep and. And obviously, it didn't seem to affect them boys, did it? Because yeah, yeah. you know, we're talking about lads who've kind of won everything and done everything. Do you think it has that much of an impact? You know, if you, if you do go out, say Saturday night, Tuesday, did you 
towards the end of the week, we think, fuck me, I'm struggling. Uh, to be fair, Tuesday was always my cut-off. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't like to go out on Wednesday or a Thursday. Not saying I never did it. Because <laughs> it just didn't enjoy it as much as you would be. I'd be like, you've got to get up for work once you No, but I think if you got a good result on a Saturday, kind of the routine I think would be you'd go out for a few on a Saturday night and obviously living near Liverpool, we'd be able to, we'd be able to go out if you won. If you lost, you had to go straight home. Yeah. So I'd go for a few yeah. pints around, you know, wherever it might be, on the way back from Manfield. I lived in Southport, so on the way back, I'd stop and have a few pints. Sunday was always my day out. Even though I was training Monday, Sunday was my day where I'd go for a drink, especially if we had a good result on Saturday. Um, I used to love a Sunday session with the boys, you know, especially Razor Ruck, me and Razor Ruck were I was going to say, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you come into Liverpool squad at, what, 19? Yeah. And the the names of the, of the senior players, you know, especially like Julian Dixon, Neil yeah. Ruddock. Yeah, I can see that. You know, Dixie wasn't a big drinker, to be yeah. fair. He didn't really get that much involved. He was always going home back to I think he to travel back to London a lot and stuff. But um, I always find. I mean, I remember Dixie. Right, this is a true story. First day, walked into Liverpool's dressing room. You think, you know, when you do get that moment, it's like kind of a big thing. Dixie came in. I found out where he was sitting in the dressing room. Didn't like it. Just started ripping things off the walls, ripping coat hangers off, and all kinds. It was just first day. First day, yeah. I think he was kind of setting the stone, setting his, you know, his, his where he's at. Was like, I'm Julian Dix. I'm it's here. his persona. That yeah, that yeah. So everyone but, knew where they were. But do you know what? He was a great kid. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't big time or anything. He was the complete opposite of that. He was just a loon at times. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but in a good way, I think. I always feel like that. People like him and Razor had a lot of critical stuff off the field. But if you look at them two, great careers in a way. I mean, Razor Rook as well, especially. He's a great footballer. Everyone yeah. forgets that because they see the character. Yeah. But you've got to remember them guys could play football as well. You know, Dixie and uh, Razor, unbelievable left foot between yeah. the pair of them, two ones. And yeah, I mean, me and Razor, we used to take, we, we, we used to knock about quite a lot. But he was, oh, were, he, were he older than you then? Razor? Yeah, yeah, yeah Razor's. I think he's five years older than me, six years. So did he sort of take her under his wing? <laughs> Unfortunately. That's a big wing to because sometimes when I think back I actually think to myself I might still be playing <laughs> if it wasn't for Razor Ruddy um, he's got a lot to answer for but you know I mean back then if you think about characters like that people won't see the other side of Razor where I was struggling financially as in, as you all are as young lads you know at Liverpool I was starting you know, starting £27.50 a week as a YTS then my first pro contract was under 100 quid. so I'm playing for Liverpool's first team earning less than £100 which you know nowadays is you know, it's yeah, not, not, I mean, I'm sure the YTS haven't done a lot more. And, and it's hard to get out three nights a week on a <laughs> <laughs> Good job. <laughs> that, well, that's why I knocked him out the old phone. Even back then, it's hard to get three nights but out no, but, quid. But just for example, I couldn't afford to buy a car. I was renting cars, I was getting cars of people borrowing mum and dad's cars and stuff. And then Razor just said, just, Razor, just give me a car. Just give me an Audi A4. I was like, I've gone from having nothing to having a brand new car. Yeah, Obviously, it was a sponsorship deal through the club. Because, you know, if you got to a certain point back then, everyone had a sponsored car. Razor wasn't using his, he bought his own. So he said, here you go, kid, you take mine. And for me, little things like that kind of go unnoticed in football. But not for me, that's, you know, Razor, people look at him as party animal. But also, you got to remember, he was a good guy, big heart, and, and also a good football. Do you think, I think that's, as a, as a young kid, you respect him for doing that? Because he didn't have to do that. Yeah. No. He didn't have to do that. He, didn't, he was in his car, fair enough. Yeah, there you go. It, it's levels. I'm sure Don's done that for yeah, kids. Yeah. 
when yeah. you've got 25 that set the tone for me going forward yeah. that set the tone for me doing stuff for younger players and helping them out and giving advice I think my advice might be different than <laughs> just look just what the, everything I did just doing the opposite <laughs> yeah probably yeah. that's about right I made every mistake you can make but no, I think I think the, the thing is from football and these guys will tell you I think it's gone out of the game a little bit is that respect especially for your elder senior players around the squad I think there should be still more of that in the game um, I was certainly a big believer in that and not just because I was at Liverpool just the way I was brought up in life and it's just you have to have a little bit of respect for the senior players in the dressing room um, as long as they're not too controlling but you know you sometimes you, you know I, I think when I was playing in the first team at Liverpool I was still carrying the skips in and stuff you know you, so, so yeah. sometimes nowadays I think it misses a bit of that that kind of spirit within a team mm-hmm. and you don't see it because they're so pampered nowadays yeah. I still think that football misses a bit of the it's the old school way a little bit it's apprenticeship at the end of the day I suppose isn't it, it is, and, and it you're is. working under the more experienced lads because yeah. is there none of that um, cleaning boots and, and stuff for the other players it happens players a little bit now but not not to any the extent way it used to do we I mean I used to we used to Monday morning we used to uh, sweep the stands yeah. after the game Saturday so I'm picking I didn't I, believe it or not I didn't eat any but I'm, I'm, I'm sweeping pies up <laughs> you must have had one steak and crust steak and crust is quite nice cold you know <laughs> <laughs> so we're sweeping stands up we're, we're getting all the kit out on the morning uh, getting all the first team lads ready cleaning his boots we'd not leave till 4 or 5 o'clock till everything was well, spot both of you must have done that didn't you yeah 100% yeah, I mean I was the same and it, I, and I think at, um, at Liverpool, it was a huge test that he did that and he did it properly, he did it well. Phil Thompson was the, obviously, you know, one of the most decorated players at Liverpool, lifted the European Cup, won how many league titles. He was the, the in charge of checking your jobs. Yeah. And I tell you what, you know he's a horrible, he was horrible to us. I mean, yeah. literally, <laughs> I mean, the number of times I wanted to call him big nose, get like the other one, but you know, it's like, just leave me alone because obviously the big baths at Anfield, the changing rooms were huge. You had to clean them. You had to be, you know, getting the vim with the scrubbing brush, going around the big baths, scrubbing them, hosing them all down, cleaning them in and out. And then he'd come in and go, not good enough. Get back in there and do it again. And it was a test. And later on, when you speak to these people, we were testing you to see how you'd react. They yeah. want lads who will just get back on and do it. Yeah. They don't want lads to go, I'm not doing that again. They want, they want lads to go and go and do it. And it's a test. And I still think it. Even in, the, even in the Premier League now, I think they could do a bit of that. They probably do a bit lower down leagues. Yeah, yeah they don't think so. Yeah. You know, you, in the I Championship mean, League one, I think they do. It's, it's, it should be still part of your apprenticeship. It tests you mentally as well. Yeah. If they're, no, it's not, it's not abuse as such, but if they're testing you mentally, if you get to a Saturday and you've got 30,000 people battering you, mentally, you're yeah. ready and prepared for that. You'll either kick on, or you'll crawl up your own ass, yeah, yeah. and that defines why Dom had the career he had, and players who might have had more ability than Dom went below I, I always I always reference back when I was having bad times in my football career to the start and the basics in my football, and like the old boot room at Liverpool was like it was like it was a sanctuary, and it was like it's so renowned in world football. Yeah. It's like one of those places that created greatness, from the Shankly right the way through to you know Bob Paisley, Joe Fagan, Kane Daglish, and it never left. And I, we used to clean the boots right outside the boot room. And I mean, it was an old wooden desk. It looked like a bloody joiner's, the joiner's desk. The, the day before a match day as a young kid, one of us would just have to clean the old team's boots on your own. And um, 
I'd be in there struggling, say, on a Friday afternoon, looking what time my next bus is back to where I'm trying to get. You know, it's late, getting late afternoon. You'd have people like the great Ronnie Moran, God bless him, you know, we, we lost recently, and Roy Evans, and, and you know, and some of the old great coaches, they'd come and give you a hand to clean the boots. Yeah. You know, we're talking about, you know, that that's the kind of morals that I'm That's talking about. And I always used to I always used to reference back to them times when I was having a bad time as a player about the basics in my football and about where it started. And if them people are still doing it, you know, Ryan Moran, you know, I mean, he was at Liverpool for 50 years, won everything. But I tell you what, there wasn't anything he wouldn't help you with or do with it right the way through. I, I, I mean, I was so lucky at them early days um, to have been around that environment. I'll never, ever forget it. Who was the biggest character in that? in them early days when you I, I mean the, 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 back in them dressing rooms I mean you can't look at, probably you can't look any further than probably Bruce Grobelop I, so. I mean Bruce he was bonkers but you know in a great in a great way he was just unique in, in what he did and the way he goal he was, way he was a goalkeeper as well he didn't do any goalkeeping training whatsoever he never did, never wanted to, he played with those trainers every day he played up front <laughs> he's actually he's actually a really good goal scorer believe it or not he hated going in goal like Bruce before the game he used to volley the ball at the light switch and we couldn't go out until he turned the lights off <laughs> but sometimes it'd take a while <laughs> some, days, some days it'd take you get in the first one but then you go then you look at the other, the other side of it you've got people like John Barnes who never even went out for a warm up just do a hot bath and read the programme and read the paper and just, and just that was his preparation and then it literally five to three the bell's going Barnes, he's not even out of the bath yet. You know, so it's, 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 there were different characters around the dressing room. I think you have to accept with some of the top players, though, you just let them get on with it. I mean, here Rush on a Friday, I remember they stopped doing... Well, Friday, that Friday, we used to always have steak and chips, you know, for our pre-match meals. You have what you want, really. And they stopped Rushy having... Um, I think it was Graham Sooners, might have started to get the diet involved, and yeah. I think he was trying to stop Rushy having the steak and chips, and like Rushy's like, well, I've scored, you know. <laughs> I've scored a couple of yeah, goals. Yeah, I've scored a few goals. I don't, I don't think he's done many harm over the years. So, and Rushy was determined to stick with that, and he did. He wanted to have his 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 stake. So, if you're trying to stop a 33 year old doing what he's done for the last 15 years and had an incredible career, yeah, yeah. I can, you, you, you can't you, you can't sort of tell him that what he's done is wrong because it can't yeah. be. No, it can't be. Whatever he's done, his well, then, 15 year career, the top of the game, won everything. Yeah. Surely. I think nowadays the senior players kind of go, right, well, if I do it this way, I might play for another three or four years. Mm. I think people kind of thought, once I'm 35, back then, that's me done. Yeah. I was at Norwich with Dion Dublin. Yeah. And he was 40-year-old. And the phone would ring at five o'clock on a Tuesday. Yeah. Round him in the Be uh, Belgian Monk, if you fancy a few pints. Yeah. And he'd been out like two, three in the afternoon. As long as he was home for nine, ten o'clock and got his kit in, yeah. he'd be first in the gym next morning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's split his 40. Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't have him any harm either. Yeah, no, no big deal. Like, like you say, sometimes there's, there's a formula that works for you, in it. <laughs> what with that um, next generation then, a Liverpool team, you know, that young, Do you know exciting... What? Do you know what? It was, um, it was a tough couple of years to first start with because obviously we'd gone from, like, they'd been winning everything to then a new generation coming through and it was the mix wasn't quite right. Some of the players were maybe right at the end of their careers and some of us were very young, coming yeah. through very raw. We had kind of none really in the middle. It was, it was a difficult period. I see what you mean there because when I was yeah. looking at the players in, in that squad... It almost feels like they've un that squad's underachieved. If Man United hadn't had a team they had, yeah. I think we'd have won more leagues. But it was a particular year, I think it was 95 or 96, where we were like six points clear at Christmas and we ended up going to Marbella for four days at Christmas. <laughs> and I'm thinking, they always think back, if we hadn't went to Marbella, yeah. we might have won the league. But yeah. 
you know, it's... Do you have a good trip? Great trip. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no, obviously we were flying. Uh, to be fair, we, went, we did do some training. There wasn't like just on the lash, but we had a couple of nights out. Yeah, yeah. You had to walk to the pub and back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I think it was... Uh, the team we had and the, and the young players we had, you know, if you look at even that management, mm-hmm. who was unreal to play with as a foot, as uh, he was like, one that doesn't get enough credit for me at Liverpool. He yeah. never really gets talked about, but he no. was frightening as a footballer. You know, Robbie mm-hmm. Fowler, Michael Owen, the Gerrards, all them kind of players, Red Knapps, you know, um, Don Hutchison was there for a bit. A lot, a lot of good young players, but maybe we just didn't have the, the right discipline at times. I don't. I mean, I hate to say that because I don't think we was like we were drinking every night of the week. I just think we were doing a li- maybe a little bit too much of it and without the right advice. Complacent. Not complacent. I think we probably just needed a leader. We needed yeah. someone in the group, or, or maybe one of the senior players. Come on, lads, it's time for all. Yeah, yeah. And maybe just to pull us in a little bit. No, it's like, it's, 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 as young lads, if you're out and you're having a good time, you end up having one more, don't you? And one yeah. more leads to yeah. ten more. Yeah. There's the stuff about the Spice Boys and that they've got a lot of bad publicity. Yeah, I mean, with the 96 FA Cup final, we had to wear white suits. <laughs> that was probably the... Uh, I mean, <laughs> Who's that? Who that? Well, David James was modelling. David James, <laughs> right, David James was modelling for, for Armani. So he, he was like, he was well in with Armani, believe it or not. So they came up with this idea, I don't know why. Did nobody say, what the... No, no <laughs> well, listen, I, I think... Hold on a minute. I was pretty young, I, mean, I was fairly young, so I wasn't really going to try and overrule anyone, but... I think maybe some of the senior pros might have said something. I'm not sure how much Armani paid for, for that involvement because they got a lot of publicity on that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> do you know what I mean? They put it on when they look, just so you think, I look good twat. I mean, I, remember, <laughs> I think me and Razor tried them on next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and, and back then, suits were always a bit baggy as well. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? It was like, it looked like a man, man from Del Monte. <laughs> but, it, and I'll tell you what, it was the hardest thing ever was to find a pair of shoes to go with it. I think if we'd won the FA Cup, then... It might be forgotten. It might be mad, but he would laugh about it. Yeah. I mean, I've still got my suit. And I tried it on, it still fits me to this day. That's how baggy it was back then. It still bloody really fits me. The laptop hangs in big. Yeah. I took it on here. Uh, I did a show for BT, BT and I took, it on, I took it on TV. And Danny Baker tried the jacket on and the, uh, the tie. And even he was like, Jesus. Did you play that good fight? No, I should have played it with the one there, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that was, that was another... The reason why I was talking about it, the night before, or sorry, two days before I went down to London, and um, Roy Evans had pulled myself in, Razor, separately into his, into his the team hotel, and said, listen, you've played in you know so many games, coming through to the final, but I ain't going to play you. And my heart just sank. Like it's like you know that one opportunity you think yeah. to, you know, especially against Man United as well. Liverpool Man United FA Cup finals don't come around too often. And it's for me, it's yeah. the pinnacle of that. And then obviously, Razor's my roommate. He got in, so I'm thinking, oh, please let him be playing. <laughs> he wasn't playing. Not tonight. Yeah, so, <laughs> he wasn't playing. He wasn't playing either. So I thought, oh, this could end up bad. <laughs> so no, and then obviously we had to go training then after that. And I think it was just we were very deflated. For me, I, I still feel as though I should have, should have played in that game. Um, but obviously, you've got to back yourself to play, aren't you? You want to play. Yeah. But um, the manager has to make a call on them. He signed Babs and Scales for decent money as well. I'd obviously come through the system, so it's sometimes easier to maybe leave a younger boy. Yeah, yeah. I, think you always, I think you're always a bit of a victim of that. Uh, yeah. you're easy to drop yeah. easy to drop if you've, if you've come through and it was it the same at Liverpool then with obviously Fowler how long did it take for them to get recognised as 
basically what we need to tie these down. I mean, yeah, I mean, for, I mean, Robbie, because obviously I'd known him, we'd, we'd started at like nine, ten year olds together, so I'd seen him come right through, and I knew how good he was. And it's just a natural goal scorer. You can't, you can't teach for Robbie Fowler. Yeah. You know, you know, I like Tiger Woods. It's a golf ball. Robbie Fowler is a football like that. It just makes a funny noise. Mm. Like a, it's like a swoosh. It's like it's just, it's just incredible how he hits a football. Either foot as well, on it. Yeah. Right yeah. Foot and mentally, he was just so tough. He had that winning mentality, but also he was just, just so natural. The, uh, did he shave your eyebrows off? What's he shaved that? my eyebrows. <laughs> he shaved stripes in my legs. <laughs> No, I went to Marbella on an um, end-of-season trip, which was quite a bizarre trip because Robbie Williams, the singer, came with us as well. You could, you're going to look at it now. You could be a tribute artist. <laughs> I wish I had his cash. <laughs> um, but no, he, he came with us, so it was a bit of a, you know, we were all a bit, I don't know. He was, he, he, but he was into his football, Robbie Williams. Yeah. So around me, I mean, he was a big drinker back then, Robbie, as well. Williams, I so we used to take me and Razor used to have a proper session with him. They got, <laughs> they got me really drunk one night. I mean, I, I mean, I don't. they got you? Well, you got yourself really. Drunk. No, we used to, me and Razor used to do daft stuff before we'd even go out. We'd be like necking bottles of stuff, bottles of like daft stuff, like full bottles, <laughs> and then going out for like a full session afterwards. It wasn't good. And I, I remember this night they done me actually. I remember thinking, cause I don't. You've seen me drink, haven't you? Yeah, I, yeah. I've been put it to it a couple and, of times. But you know, I, can, I used to they used to call me hollow legs because they didn't know where to put it. <laughs> and uh, I remember this particular night. It was the first night I've ever been boozing, where I thought, Phew, not feeling too right. Here. I'm pissed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, they took advantage of me. Yeah. They shaved my eyebrows, both of them, <laughs> um, stri- stripes in my legs. But I woke up and I was that drunk the next day. I never even noticed for about, <laughs> I think it was about about half a day. <laughs> Seriously, about half a day, and then, and then for a laugh, I decided to draw them on, draw eyebrows on with a um, marker pen. So I had two eyebrows drawn on a marker pen, and I was sat by the pool, and I was just like, I was rubbing my legs down, and I looked at my legs and went, Shaved stripes. <laughs> so it was getting worse as the, as, the, as the day was getting on. But. Just one stripe or three for going to go with your shorts, a couple on one leg and one on the other. Were you fuming, or did you just let them get on with it? I'm not really like that. I think I think if it was a bit older, I might have been mm. later in my career because I was. I just thought if I react here, it, yeah, it's just going to work. But it was bad with the, with the marker pens on my eyebrows. I, <laughs> I was just thought, I was just so embarrassed going out. <laughs> but I drank through it. <laughs> who, who, who was the biggest character in that generation? You, you know, you've got Colin Moore, David James, but then the. Yeah. The, the, the dressing room was full of them. I mean, Razor is always the one that you'd pick because Razor is just a unique character in all aspects. But uh, he was he was a life and soul really. Like he loved the Christmas party. So uh, like, everyone, yeah, that's, that's gone now. Yeah, everybody. like the build the build up to the Christmas parties back then were like were unreal. Like Razor would have like. When December started, he'd have like a countdown sheet up on the wall. <laughs> so like 17 days to the party. Next day he'd come in, 16 days to the And obviously the managers hate stuff like that. They'd come in and see it and raise it. would be like, he'd be so giddy about it. And obviously the fancy dress and stuff was was massive for Razor and some of the other players. They loved it. Fancy dress, just best. You know, they'd be thinking months in advance of what they're going <laughs> to wear. I mean, I mean, you know, realistically, you should have been thinking about your next game, but fancy dress. Thinking what you're wearing on 13th of December. Yeah. <laughs> Razor, Razor, um, he sometimes liked to wear two outfits. So he'd come out in one and then halfway through the night he'd, he'd, he'd slip off and, and put another one on. That's his commitment to <laughs> yeah. the cause. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, but this particular one he had this spike with uh, Cantona where obviously that big, you know, he turned his collars down back on Cantona. When Cantona had come back after his ban, we'd played at Old Trafford 
and Razor turned his collars down in a bit of a barging match with, with Cantona. So um, he said to me, he says, oh, I've got a right, I've got a right one for the Christmas party. So obviously Cummers, um, I think it was like a king, King, king Henry or King Henry VIII or something originally, and then halfway through the night, he changed into a Man United kit. But instead of it saying seven Cantona, I said seven cunt and a half on the back. <laughs> <laughs> if I can say that. <laughs> so it's like, it was just, that was just, that was just, his, yeah, that was just his thinking. He just, he just, um, he had this bizarre brain razor, which was a bit, of a child at the time, but he was, he, he, he did, I mean, listen, there's some of the things I can't really discuss, but... Uh, it's it's obviously had to go to the, the, to the cl- club shop and get that done. <laughs> <laughs> what what he, name do you want? <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, I don't know, but I think with Razor as well, he just, he, I remember him saying to the manager one day, he was just doing a team toy, he said, don't worry about it, just give me the ball, he says. He said, I'm like an artist, Gaffer. I see, I see the picture, I just paint it. That's what he said to Roy Evans, like, and just going, oh. He was just, he was just, uh, he was a wholehearted lad, but he was just, he was bonkers. Would you want him in the trenches? Oh, yeah, Jesus well, Christ. Yeah. I mean, we were out a couple of times on nights out and lads have kicked off and he just stuck me in the car and said, you get in there, young, I'll just sort this out. <laughs> and he cut, no, I mean, look at the head on him, see the big head on him. It's frightening. But that head landed on your nose. But you know what? Well, that landed on that nose. <laughs> but what I must say is, it takes a lot to get him. You know, you, you can abuse Razor Runner, you can call him fat whenever you wanted to. He won't buy it, but if you had a, if you had a pop of me or one of his friends or something else, yeah. that's when you lose mm-hmm. it from him. Yeah. What, 98, 99, Roy Evans in charge, and yeah. then they bring Gerard Houllier in as a joint manager. I mean, yeah. that's not something that's happened before. And What was going on there? And how was that for the club? Were they, they both, there was a joint management? I've never seen anything like it, because obviously I think as a player, Again, these boys will know you, you need someone who's your gaffer, don't you? Yeah. Whereas you had to like have to go have a meeting with Roy and a meeting with Gerard Hulay, so you have to have two separate meetings, uh, and it just didn't seem to really work. So that uh, uh, as a player, when 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 that when the both joint managers, did, were you thinking what the fuck's happening here? Yeah. This is Liverpool football. And, and I think there was a little bit of loyalty in that with Roy. I think they just didn't want to get rid of Roy. Me personally, because like. Is that being completely undermined? Well, a little bit, but I think, I think they didn't want to, Rather than maybe saying to Roy Evans, do you want to go upstairs and maybe sit on the board or whatever, or go and sit in the, in the director's box, we'll make you a joint manager. And I think because the, the love of the club had for Roy Evans, they kind of gave him this role. And I think it, eventually it wasn't going to last. I don't think it was ever going to last. And I think the club... It's a little bit of a circus, really. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's Liverpool football. That, that, that was it. But and, I think, and we've got two managers. What? what? Yeah, no, you, you, I, I totally agree. And, Direction wise for your players, you need a boss, don't you? Mm, boss is, uh, it's, it must have been tough if you've, you've been in the dressing room and in and around the yeah, dressing room for all them years and then it. suddenly, boom, gone. Yeah. But she's totally, and, totally different. And all the players love Roy Evans. Roy was the favourite, for, and maybe because he was a little, not, I mean, he wasn't disciplinarian Roy at all. Maybe that's why the players liked him a bit. And maybe, <laughs> and maybe, it did, true, maybe it did need know. someone like, like Hooley to come in and, and sort that side out, which he, which he certainly did. I think we all we all when it happened we all went what a little bit you know joint managers yeah it's a bit of a piss I don't know if it'd ever been done before to be honest yeah. was it, it might have been the first the first the first time no, I don't think no what did you make of Julia when he came in you know that first meeting yeah I mean things were changing discipline was different and and but I think Gerald was just all about getting the discipline right <laughs> from his side he knew he knew what was going on a little bit too much did the players buy into it. The discipline side. Um, yeah, I think I think I mean you got rid of Razor and a few of us pretty quick. 
Um, that must have helped you out, did it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, well, I think I think yeah, I think if I remember right, I think he he asked Razor what his name was. I think or something. And something was being. I think he knew, but he was just like right, pulling, yeah. pulling, pulling off a bit. Sometimes that's what they're doing. It they try yeah, and wind you up, chuck a little one in to rub you up the wrong way, yeah. and then you go right. I need a man to get out of here. Coming to end the end of you. Career at Liverpool, does yeah. that come into a natural end? Did you expect I, it? Or? I was No, no, I didn't. I was absolutely devastated. Um, when I left Liverpool, I signed a five-year contract on the Monday and signed for Leeds on the Thursday after. So three days later, after signing a five-year contract, I was at Leeds. Why? What? Well, me and Julio, we weren't the best of mates. <laughs> Well, he, but to be fair, he picked me. He used to pick me. This was a bizarre thing. I think sometimes you can have a relationship like that. And he pulled me in and we'd had a conversation. I'd been playing left back that season and he said, I'm going to sign Zieger. Christian Zieger, obviously, our new German international top player. And I just said, well, okay. I know he's a left back, but, you know, is, is, there, a, is there a competition for positions then or is he just going to play? Yeah. And he kind of, he just kind of said to me, listen, he's going to start and you'll be back on the bench. And I was like, listen, I've had enough of being on the bench. <laughs> played over 35 games of the season before whatever it was 33 games what I want I said I ain't going back to that again I'm at a different stage in my career now I want to play regular football week in week out and he said right he said well, what do you want to do I said I don't know I said I need to have a think about it and he said oh there's, there's clubs interested so I was thinking you know <laughs> straight away up said, here, mate, so yeah. I'm all, all the way ready I'm thinking well hold on a minute I said that you know it was quite. I was quite shocked because I, I generally seen myself play Liverpool my whole career. Yeah. So who who gave you the contract then? If he knew that. Who I know it's bizarre, isn't it? But maybe, maybe the Ziga thing just happened. You don't know. Sometimes these deals. Yeah, 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 I think it came available. Yeah, and then obviously the things changed. But I mean, I was devastated. I mean, I went away had a conversation with my agent afterwards, and it was I was literally just a bit devastated mm. that that had happened really. You know, we're in talks for a five-year contract one day, and then next a few days later, I'm literally driving in my car to possibly speak to two or three different football clubs. It was it was heartbreak really for a lad who stood on the cop as a young kid, yeah. wasn't dreaming of playing for Liverpool. Eventually, gets into the position where things are going great for me, and I'm down the road driving down the M62. Well, me and my agent we went to the Malmes and the Leeds. Sat down with Peter Isdale. Good bar in Bomber there. What a place. Well, I, thought, I thought we were going to do the Mount Maison today, to be honest. We ended up in the office. <laughs> but that, no, that coffee all right? Yeah, it's all right. No, there's no brandy here. Um, but no, I went to the Mount Maison. I met Peter Isdale and I was waiting for David O'Leary to arrive. David was on his way. You know, we all know about Peter Isdale and the way he liked to spend money. And, yeah. But he was kind of, he was very much a Leeds United fan and very much sold it to me in that aspect and he told me the ambitions of the club. And then obviously when David O'Leary got there, he just said, I've been, I've, you know, didn't think he'd ever come, become available. That's what he said to me. And it's funny because I see him last week at a football game and he said to me, he said, you won't believe this. He said, when you come available, he said, I couldn't believe that the club were going to sell you. And he said, a few weeks later, Hulay rung him and said, made a mistake. Yeah. So it was good to know that. Is that the first time you found out? The first time I found out that a few weeks ago. That oh, he, uh, said to you know said to all I made a mistake there. You got a good one. I mean, so even though you know I had my fallouts with Phil in a little way, it's kind of good that he kind of said that. Probably should have told me, but <laughs> um, I found out twenty years later, <laughs> eighteen years later. Sorry, <laughs> can I come back? Can I come back? <laughs> but no, um, then O'Leary turned up, and I think me wanting to play centre half. He said to me, where do you want to play? I said, Sarah. 
he said, right, he said, a lot of competition. So who you got? He says, oh, Lucas Ranaby, who was like a Leeds legend, yeah. you know, yeah. and a great defender, Woodgate. And it was, I think he just signed Doobie the year before from Chelsea. So Rio wasn't there? Rio wasn't there at that point. And I thought, well, I just, you know, you look at the competition, don't you, and I think, I can get ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Up, for, up for the fight, like yourself. But yeah, and he said to me, he said, whoever's, whoever's playing, whoever's in the team, and they play well, they stay in the team. And I thought, well, that's what Hude should have said to me, yeah. being honest, yeah. when I left. Mm-hmm. And if he had said that, I probably would have stayed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's how that's how small the margins are in your football career sometimes. Maybe the conversation got a different way. I might have never left Liverpool. You arrive at Leeds and then I mean you don't get much more of a confidence boost. You know, you scoring at the San Siro, is that Yeah that I, is hey, I mean I mean that's an iconic goal for all Leeds fans and I suppose. Well, yeah. Best I mean, goal for you, the one yeah, that stands out. I didn't score many, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only goal that's another one <laughs> yeah. yeah no I, listen I think the whole Champions League experience and to get a goal in, in such an iconic stadium a stadium that being honest I used to watch on the telly even just to play in it I yeah, yeah. It. And, and to be fair when you get to, when you play in them stadiums or you get in them dressing rooms they ain't what you think it's yeah. like it's proper old school it's not like plush yeah, like not the right. it's not nice but it's not really that nice inside the dressing room yeah. it's just vast Ruin the dream here. You've yeah. ruined the illusion. Bad <laughs> job, it's Lee. Well, it's well, it's zero, you scored it. Well, some nice lighting. I don't know what you expect sometimes, but it's because maybe because it is that big. And I remember we trained on it now before, just to kill you again. Pitch was rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> It was absolutely crap. You've not done them a minute since yeah, Champions League. Balls to Champions League. Balls on Tuesday nights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, 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 carry on. They're trying to play the stop block, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was. The pitch was crap. I mean, look at the Champions League pitches now. I was working pitch side of the week yeah. for Liverpool. It was like a carpet. Yeah. And we, you know, we're nearly at the end of the season. Yeah. You know, so anyway, so I remember it was, it was bobbly. It was a yeah. bobbly pitch. It was hard to play on. It was actually. Put it in good areas. Get up the field. That's how bad it was. But, but no, listen. I mean, the Leeds fans at that night. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff in football, but I've never seen a, a relationship between players and fans. We were on the pitch with the fans for an hour after the game, having a sing song. They sing a song, then they select a player. We sing a song, and you know whatever. And it was just back and forth. My name's Gary Kelly. Yeah. Um, singing songs with the fans, the old Irish lads, not the Irish boys I like. Yeah. Love the sing songs, but it was just—I don't think you'll ever see that again in football. I read—I I was reading a comment about that. It was a BBC pundit said that it was the greatest example of player fan bond that he'd ever well, seen and probably ever will see. It will. It was—it was phenomenal. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, every person I meet in Leeds was at that game, so I don't actually know how many was there. But every person I ever meet was at that game. <laughs> I've heard some great stories. I remember meeting a lad in a lap dancing club actually, shouldn't we? <laughs> now I've got a missus. But, um, this was back in this was back in the day, and you know, when it was just like it was, it was it a late place up and it was a late drink. Yeah, it, was it, was a late drink. <laughs> it was a late drink. You wouldn't know about them, Paul. You wouldn't know. <laughs> no. So anyway, we, we um, was in the, I was in there obviously just having a drink, and this guy's chatting to me. He says, "I've got a bone to pick with you." I said, what's that? He says... Um, he said, I've got a bone, yeah. <laughs> he said... <laughs> he said, I brought my leg when you scored that goal. Because the seating at the San Siro is like, it's tiny. So if you stand if you stand behind the seat, you literally, you've got to watch yourself. And he said, when you, when you scored, obviously all the Leeds fans just went mental. Oh, yeah. He said, I went hurtling down about 12, 15 rows 
and broke my leg <laughs> that night. So you know, it's just it, I think it was just it had, it, the atmosphere there was it, it was incredible. But some of the stories I've heard from like lads have said to me literally that was my best night in football ever. Best away game I've ever been to was was the San Siro. It's obviously not a bad city as well yeah. for the fans to travel. Yeah. But uh, yeah, crazy night. I mean, we were drinking beer on the pitch. I mean, imagine that now, Champions League, we've got cans of lager on the pitch, yeah. and the fans having a bit of a sing song. I know it's I'm getting back to beer all the time, but mm-hmm. it was it was kind of nice to do that. And yeah. the Leeds fans still, like, we were looking on on Twitter, and on the day of that goal, they all still say "Happy Don Matteo Day." Yeah, I mean, I was last week at the game, the Wolves game, they were still singing it. Yeah. So you know, we're going 18 years on, they're still singing that song. Um, but yeah, I think it was an iconic night. For the, for the club because we qualified for the next stages yeah. by getting the draw who was marking you when you scored who jumps up don't know actually there were some good players in their team I, I don't think they'd risk putting Maldini on me because I'd lose him too easily <laughs> <laughs> Paolo Paolo yeah Paolo but I'll tell you about you know, Paolo Maldini we played him at Ellen Road this was a classic this and um David O'Leary used to describe all the players to him before the game. He used to love talking about them as if he knew him like his best mates. <laughs> he goes, oh, I've seen Paolo, I've seen Paolo earlier. I was going, what? He went, yeah, I've seen Paolo earlier. He said, hey, he looks good, he smells good. But he said, There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can't fucking run. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm thinking, he's quick as fuck, guy. <laughs> and you can read again what he had about. But he's like, you know, he talked about it, best mate. And like, after the game, he's like, Paolo, Paolo, can I get your shirt and all this? You know, oh, no. I've got some real aftershave. Not even smoking. I think even for players, though, is, you know, when you swap shirts and stuff, and I think I think Maldini ended up giving everyone a shirt. I think he must be. He, must, he like, just carries a box. I think he must travel like, <laughs> for everyone because that's who everyone's shirts. You know, yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that is true with, with Milan. I think they had to carry extra shirts because everyone wanted Maldini's. Who's the best shirt that you've? I've got uh, from when we were still I got Cannavaro's. We played against him in Australia. Mm. I said played against. We played around Madrid. We, yeah. we, we run around. Yeah, yeah, we run around. Yeah, they only one 0 though, wasn't it? Two, two nil, two nil. But I think I got off by then. No, 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 no. They they probably played it. 30% yeah. and yeah. they were chasing his asses. Yeah. absolutely chasing his asses but yeah I've got kind of our old sign shirt at home I don't know I've got a few iconic ones that mean more to me than, than the names but I think I think the, the best one I got because I felt I got the better of him was Figo yeah. you know like in a game where I, you know sometimes you, for me when I played up against players I, it was about I had to be back I, I had to raise my game 100 times to my top limit to even compete with you. And I remember, and I swapped with Figo after the, the, the game in the Bernabeu, and he didn't want to give me it at first. Because I think, you know, sometimes the players may, they don't like it, you've had a good game. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. The, especially the top players. Yeah. The top players can sulk a bit, can't they? And mm-hmm. I just thought maybe I kicked him a bit too many, much throughout the game, and I got his shirt. The bad thing about that was my mum washed it. And it shrank about four sizes. Simply <laughs> <laughs> wash, yeah. And I was chatting to him about the other day. I said, "Tell you what, mother, it's not a nightmare about that." <laughs> I said, "A nice little bit of dirt down the back of it, looking brilliant." Yeah. I said, "I said, come on, and it, it's what are you doing? Four sizes smaller, and it'd be bloody drier." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, like showing some. This is always big. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Exactly. It's size eight to nine. You've got all your Louis V. You've got all the shirts on the wall this size. You've got Fiona. Just in a picture piece. Not mantle piece, a little picture frame. I thought it was a bit tall. But yeah, no, I had to. Yeah. You know, I've got Beckham ones, you know, and people like that. I've got gigs, gigsy ones. I've got, I've got some good ones. I think they're ones, you know, you week in, week out. Players that play against the Premier League sometimes, for me, mean a bit more. I've not sold them once. <laughs> so yes. that. <laughs> that, that squad though like we just said that even the fans the fan play relationship but the, the relationship within the squad as well that it looked like they were real band of brothers there the, the, yeah I the, mean the, you, you always have your clicks in football the character of the team yeah you have, you have your clicks in a lot of teams where people knock about together and you, yeah. you, know, you, you, have, your, like, you have your muckers don't you who you, kind of, you drive in with but that Leeds team was kind of like we just all knocked about together like all of us, we did everything together. Maybe at the time as well, there was quite a few people single. Yeah. And I think if you're single and you haven't got kids, that can, it's a bit easy to do that, isn't it? Yeah. And we kind of at that point, there's quite a few of us were in that position. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, great spirit. What was Gary Kelly like? Metal. I love Kells. I mean, I was in Marbella with Kells once, and the next thing he just disappeared off the port, and he was actually in the water, over the port, and I just jumped in. And like, <laughs> I think he couldn't get out. No, no, no steps out, is there? <laughs> <laughs> and eventually, when, eventually, eventually, when he got out, he saw the fag in his mouth. <laughs> well, but, 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 but I, I think I was. I, when I think about that story. I was with Liverpool. He was with Leeds, and we just bumped into each other. And then, like, I think he used to bang around with a lad called Kevin Sharp, who used to play for Leeds back in the uh, the early nineties. They were best mates. Them two <laughs> together, double act. But Kells, no, Kells was. I mean, another one at Leeds who you know, one man club. There's not many players who have a career where they just stay at the same club. He did. Um, but yeah, great character. I think I think the one thing leaves me with, with these so-called foreign guys, you know, Big Vadukes and Ollie Decourt, players like that. They come in. They're the only two probably coming in and out of the groups at times yeah. because they found it a bit too much. Well, yeah, Vadukes liked Vadukes liked a fag and a couple of pints, yeah. and he'd be off. He'd drive everywhere. Vadukes, very laid-back guy, lovely fella. But he'd have two pints, a pack of fags, and he'd be gone. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what they thought the foreign lads were like. That yeah, yeah. Ollie Decourt. French, cool, laid back, you know, he'd just come in and out, see us lot, dancing, <laughs> dancing on tables. <laughs> I'm, off, I'm off for a nice meal. Fiduka, can you just nip us up? <laughs> oh, no chance of it. Tiny guy. The deal with the coin. Oh, yeah, that was, well, basically, <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know why we do stuff like this. <laughs> But yeah, I think Rio Ferdinand's mentioned it, hasn't he? Yeah, well, I don't know why he mentioned that, actually. But yeah, um, no, so, ba- so basically... Fuck off, Rio. But no, before a game, one of starts off with a coin. But back then, it was always a 50 pence piece, because it was a horrible one to hold. Yeah. So you didn't your hand the old, the old 50s. I don't know why, it was just worth, it was to choose the worst coin to hold. It's not that we looked into this much. Um, so he'd obviously say I'd start with a coin, and he, and he breaks in play like corners or free kicks and stuff you could pass the coin so I'd pass it to Parky there you'd have to take it yeah. you couldn't refuse it and then you ever had the coin at the end of the game was it just a pass or was it did it have to be stealth you know like go to shake someone's well, hand and then they have to take it or do you just trying to keep it quiet yeah. 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 trying to keep it quiet obviously it didn't work <laughs> you're flicking it <laughs> I mean for example the one of the games you get bolted away I did it more than once uh, I did it yeah no yeah. <laughs> no, so I remember, I don't think Ian Hart knew about it. I was coming off, 
injured, done my hamstring for a change. Coming off, and then I went to give it to Artie, he'll shake his hand and he's coming down. He's, he's like, What are you doing? Just let go of me. So I'm trying to give him the 50 <laughs> <laughs> So in the end, he just had to throw it onto someone. But you know, he's like, I don't think he knew what was going on. I don't know why we did stuff like that. So, so at the end of the game? At the end of the game, there'd be a forfeit, you know, whatever it might be, drink something, drink something dodgy. Yeah. Did you get, did you? Well, I, I never ended up with that coin, mate. Yeah. Rio says in an interview that he, th- he thought I had it, but I'm sure there's no way I did it. Never. Nah. <laughs> no, I've played stupid. it before. <laughs> I'm assuming uh, keepers were exempt. No, no one was exempt. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think, I mean, you know, talking about Rio, you know, he was, I, I have to mention him because he was a Rolls Royce of a footballer. Yeah. And you know what, as well, great off the field. Yeah. He loved his time at Leeds. You ever him speak about Leeds? He loved it. Great. He loved his time. Best centre half to play with. I mean, the Leeds fans won't accept it because if they say Radley yeah. or Woodgate, but I can't. I, I can't have that. Real wasn't as good as them. I think Real was better than them. Yeah. That's just my honest. Just my opinion, you know. At, at the time at Leeds or after he left Leeds, both. I think yeah. it was just. I mean, he came into Leeds, and for me personally, we just hit it off as a partnership. And, and, and what I loved about him was he's a moaner. You wouldn't think it. He moaned more than anyone in that dressing room. He'd, he'd dig people out. Mm. Things that you don't think people would do, he'd done it. He'd dug you out. You're having, a, you know, you're having, you're having one, don't get your head together. And yeah. sometimes when you've got a little partnership, like, you need that. He'd have still been quite young when he went to Leeds, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah. And he'd come with a big price tag. Yeah. I think it was a record, a world record. Yeah, 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 it was, yeah. 18 million. So he'd come with that. Yeah, I had to mention him in this because he, he was such a class act. Yeah. On and off the field. I, I seen him in Portugal last year, actually. I just bumped into him randomly. And, um, I was out having a few beers in Villabora and he was there with, with his mate. He was in unbelievable shape. Yeah, and, uh, and you're kind of trying to hide yourself. And no, we just we literally just took off again and we just uh, we had you know, a few beers together. I think he dropped me off for a change. It wasn't like me going on first. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was just great to see him pick up and we chatted about that, you know, them, them days and about how he loved his time at Leeds, which for an ex-Man United player to come out and say that sometimes yeah, is difficult yeah. because of the hatred between them two clubs is big. He probably can though because of what he's done. Yeah, of course. If, he can. if it had been mediocre at Man you wouldn't say that, I preferred it at Leeds. Of course, yeah. And I think maybe the Leeds fans say rather be in Woodgate because he went to Man United. Yeah. You know, it's like the Alan Smith thing with the Leeds fans. Alan Smith was a Leeds legend for so many years. And probably said, I've never signed Man United. Mm-hmm. Ironically, he ends up signing Man United, doesn't he? So there's, there's certain players that... Have that's crossed, a, that's the thing off. with football. It's When we spoke about before, where footballers are... Basically, they're just doing it for themselves. Yeah. yeah. The, the Alan Smith did not think... I presume, did not think for one minute, oh, fuck, I might not sign for Man United because... I play for Leeds and the Leeds fans will batter us. Mm. I think Fergie had been keen on Smithy the way he played for quite a while. And I think it, I think with Alan, because I was tight with Alan, that I think when he went to Man United, that if your options are Aston Villa, no disrespect to Aston Villa, Tottenham or wherever else they were, Man United, even as a, you know, an ex-Liverpool league, you, know, you have to go, hold on, where am I going to go and win medals? Mm. You ain't going to win them at them other clubs, are you? Because back then there was only Arsenal Man United that were really winning the league. So... If Arsenal aren't going to buy you, and Man United are, he's decided. But I suppose the, the winning those medals and achieving something's got to outweigh the legacy that you have at one club, maybe. Yeah, with no, Rio Ferdinand and, and Alan legacy. Smith in, yeah. in mind at Leeds. Because they, be, they would be legends at Leeds. I still think if Alan came back to Leeds to do some work like a legends game or something, the fans would still they'd soon forget. 
in a way once he gets out on that football field because he's a proper Leeds lad Alan yeah, Alan yeah. was a Leeds lad he's from Rothwell you know what I mean his family's still living in the area now he's a proper Leeds, Leeds player he played like a Leeds player when you, when yeah. you look, talk about Leeds players over the past you think from the yeah that's how they were you know that's how the great team in the, in the, in the 70s played you know all them boys got wired in didn't they yeah. and he could he, I mean he'd give it oh, out it was horrible. he'd give it out I mean he used to say to me before the games that he was looking forward to playing against Keown and Adams and them boys he loved it he mm. loved that and that physical I mean I mean, he gave Maldini believe it or not a hell of a game at, at Ellen Road but I mean I'm talking Maldini didn't know what he did yeah, yeah I mean I mean, and not they many did that really playing against that really no that's when you only go to, to play a wild to clubs you've got to do it for yourself yeah. there's a blank check in front of you there's bloody not, so, not, not so much not so much the yeah, money. When, you get, when you get to that level it's not so yeah, much the money it. saying that is Yorkshire winning a title aren't they it's not even the money because if you're on if you're on 100 grand a week and, and someone offers you 120 grand a week you, you can't know much difference with 120 is 100 yeah you have a good goal though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might go out Thursday as well. <laughs> but but there's, there's not really much difference. So if you're at that level where you're earning £100,000 a week and you've got a chance of winning leagues, winning clubs, there's points in there in anyone's career. I mean, if I'd stayed at Liverpool, I would have stayed and won all them trophies that they won. I would know two ways about it, but I didn't. I left and went to Leeds. You don't win anything at least. So it's like, for me, that split second, your whole your whole career and life yeah. can, can be a total different way. Liverpool won the treble, didn't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. The treble, and then they win the Champions League in 2005. You're thinking, Jesus Christ, I can be part of that. I still think to myself, if it stayed, I probably wouldn't be part of it. Yeah. Well, most well, definitely not. It is hard, and I, I find it tough because, and even it was all my mates winning it that I grew up with a lot of them. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was pleased for them to all go and win it, but you still got that kind of bit of a jealousy thing where you go, fucking wish I'd won them trophies. Yeah, that I wish I'd stayed for that couple of years, you know what I mean, and got that. But but then you can also look back and say, well, I never had my San Siro moment. Yeah, no, yeah, of course. I, know, I mean, I, I never regret, because I think regret's a bad word, man. You can't regret. <laughs> but from that moment, when you go out the Champions League semi-final and mm. just leasing it all, Demise from that point. Well, what what's happening? What's going on? I mean, well, let's let's be honest. We lost Real Ferdinand was the first big player to leave. You know, thirty million to Man United. That affected the whole vibe because you think you go from being a, try, a side trying to achieve things and build a squad to hold on a minute. Now players are looking to get away. And Real might be an exception because he was the one exceptional player. You know, and he was thirty million quid, which was another record that he broke, yeah. I think, at the time. And then obviously we lost some more players after that, and then we just eventually you're losing the nucleus of your best players. It's going to affect you. And training just training training wasn't like wasn't like it was. It training become lethargic, and it just wasn't. It was, the, the vibe wasn't right within the place. It just it changed completely. Is that because a lot of lads didn't want to be there? Well, we're trying to force a move. Um, possibly. Well, I think the season after the Champions League, we missed out on the Champions League, getting back in it by a couple of points, I think. And I think players wanted to. Get back in the team. They experienced it, and yeah, and the taste of it. And did the club need the, need the money? So is that why it started? So for sure, place? for sure. But when you, when you're overspending on players, so the way yeah. the club was run, yeah, which there was a failing there in the way the club well, was run. Really, they put all their eggs in one basket: spend, spend, spend. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, even look at the, the Robbie Fowler is one, one of my best mates in football. You know, um, I was going to be flat in Leeds, going up in the lift, and Rizdal had a flat in the same complex. And the lift doors open, and Robbie and his dad. I was like, "What are you doing here?" I, <laughs> I, I thought he'd come to see me. <laughs> I didn't you should have rang us, did I didn't even know he'd signed for Leeds that day. Because that's how much of a secret it was that he was going. Because obviously, 
him leaving Liverpool was a wrench as well, so he obviously yeah. kept it quiet. But just seeing that happen, I wasn't expecting it. Because you think you've got, at this point, with Robbie Keane, Viduka and Smith, and then, then Fowler. I know you probably need four clubs, but we're talking about them four players. We're probably four of the highest paid players in the Premier League at the time. Mm. You know, and you haven't got the same income as what Man United and Liverpool or teams I've got coming through the door every week. But they, they seem to be buying all these players and not selling anybody. Yeah, but then, then, then you've got the, the my point from that is it was like Smithy and Viduka were a lethal partnership up front and it really worked. And then you've got to write, right, who can I play now? You've got to try and work all four of them in because all four of them weren't happy about not playing. Yeah, you know, if you think about leave any of them out, so the whole logistics of the squad changed a little bit as well. And it was right throughout the squad that I think as well that, you know, even in my positions there was a lot of us, a lot of us, a lot of lads were on big money, but weren't playing as well. So you can't, you know, you've got lads in 40, 50 grand a week probably, and not even in the team or not even in the bench. Man, but when you go back to that area, that was huge though. So I think we just we were giving people, in my opinion, contracts of big money and I'm thinking why are they getting these big contracts because if you're not playing then you shouldn't be earning the great big money should you and that's my so, so you would sense at the time that there were some bad decisions being made I think, I think it was very easy to, to make that assumption even from the outside never mind being on the inside <coughs> so all the way down the pecking order as well to, to youth level with well, it yeah I mean, I, I've, I've, I've documented myself I said I remember being I was I used to have a room there for icing your legs and stuff I was in there icing my legs and some young lad was moaning about earning I think it was seven or eight grand a week and you know he was nowhere near the first team <laughs> nowhere near the first team and he wasn't good enough for the first team but I heard him moaning about it I was like and I just went mental I went mental and I went mental you know when I literally lost the plot I was like this has to stop stuff like this this is now football should be you've got to earn your, yeah. you've got to earn you've got to play games and earn a certain respect to get decent money but a young kid moaning about getting that kind of money yeah. you know his age I was getting £27 50 <laughs> a week <laughs> Am I right in saying, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, did Risdale get you in and Viduka to, they wanted to loan you to a finance company? We were leased, we were leased out, yeah, yeah, we were leased out to an American finance company apparently, so they owned us for a certain period of time until Leeds played the loan back. Did, he, did they ask you about that? Did you have to agree well, to that? Let's agree to, yeah. Well, I did, because I was like, yeah, I was, yeah, I was like, whatever, you know, it wasn't going to affect me getting mm. my wages, it wasn't going to affect anything, but I was, I was, then I was starting thinking, hold on a minute, we were in trouble here mm-hmm. and then apparently when we sold Rio they paid debts off then to the finance company so you think about when you, you buy Rio for 18 million sign for 30 you think you're making 12 million pound profit you're probably yeah. not you're probably just paying me and Maduka off yeah. the interest yeah you know and these guys aren't borrowing money from yeah but yeah there was that, that was like I knew there was big problems when that happened then really big problems Am I right in saying you go into the dressing room and for the, you know when the shit's hit the fan at least yeah. players are leaving left, right, and centre. You go in the dressing room and ask players to take a deferral yeah. on the wages. Yeah. Well, yeah. Basically, the, the club had pulled me in as captain and just said, "Listen, <laughs> this <laughs> we're in is, the shit. We're in the shit. Yeah, but we all knew that anyway. Yeah, they wanted to take a deferral. There was a forty percent deferral, which I think was the highest ever in football at the time." Which for me, I didn't even think about it. As soon as you said that, yeah, I went, no, I, I didn't think it'd be a problem. I didn't, I, I generally thought, and, and deferral means, if you don't know what it means, it means you will get it back. Yeah. You're just deferring, so you get it back at some point, which, well, in the end we did anyway, so we should have just not made a fuss. But, um, yeah, it was, a bit, it, was a, it was a difficult conversation with the players, that. Does that surprise you? It like did, yeah. It shook me by, shook me by, I was really shocked, yeah. Really shocked. Shocked that nobody would want us to do it. The, the, well, well, not say nobody, but just the majority didn't really want to do it. 
There's a few that would have, yeah, and a few I think did privately behind the scenes, did yeah. it? I think Maduka did it privately, because uh, he was the highest earner. Um, but yeah, I would just, I would just, I just I looked at all the players and, and they're all like, I don't really want to say who because it, you know, but I was just surprised that in general, so it wasn't like there was one or two, it was quite a few, it's all, oh, I'm at different stages of my career, Dom, and this. I mean, I'm going, lads, it's a deferral, so you will get it back. You know, it's, it'll be. Have you got any reassurances that you, you get it back? Well, just from what they're telling us. Mm. But I just, I just thought we're getting it back anyway. And by the way, we're all we're all earning fortunes yeah. at that point. So even if we do have to give up forty percent of our wages for one week, is it the end of the world? Yeah. If you're earning even ten grand a week, and and the club's in the shit, and you've been earning it for 10, 15 years at a football club, and someone's asking you to take a deferral for one week, yeah. it shouldn't be a problem for me. That goes back to players being selfish and just thinking about themselves. And yeah. Did that cause a divide in the changing room? Oh yeah, they completely went. I mean, there was certain conversations after that for me. Of play, I don't think you, you have the same relationship. Mm. After that. So you were more disappointed in a few of them. That I was disappointed, yeah, and I think I think a lot of people were. I think the, I, I think I, I expected a few more to back me up a little bit. Being honest, that's what I'd say. I'd expect a few more to go. Yeah, Dom's right. I think we should do this. I'm probably going to get it back, and if we don't. We've all got a few quid anyway, so what's the, what's the yeah. bother? You know what I mean? That that, yeah. and I think he was, he was selfish, like you say. It was you know? What was the spin in the press at the time? Because did that come out in the press, and the, the players had refused? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the end, we had to do it anyway. So yeah. why couldn't we? We could have just made ourselves look like decent human beings and made the fans respect us even more yeah. by just doing it. In the end, we done it anyway. So what was all that about? And were you represented in the press at that time? Were you? Was it out yeah, in the press that I, you? I, were... I just had to. We just had to all go as a team, didn't we? So it was just as if we'd said no. I mean, I've said personally in dinners and stuff, and people, fans have asked me about it. I've said I would have deferred, and would I'd still do it tomorrow. But. But that must have been hard at the time as well. Did you, oh, you get some stick from the oh, fans and, and all that? And you can't turn around and say, I went, I listen, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> no, I went to an AGM. I went to an AGM and had to sit there and um, basically, you know, we'd come to that agreement. So it's like, the fans, I think the fans kind of, they knew the lads, they kind of knew without saying, they knew the lads who were all right to do it and the ones who didn't. People can work things out, not daft, are they football yeah. fans? I mean, th- football fans get a lot of stick, but... They ain't daft, they know enough within a football club, even on the pitch, which lads are trying and which ones don't try. They, they, know, they know the score. But it wasn't, good. It wasn't a good time. To go you know, and you go from there to there within a couple of years. It was, that was the hardest thing. So did Ridsdale did Rids take full responsibility for it? Well, he got the blame for it, didn't he? But the thing is, there, John, is that they have a board of directors that have to back his decisions as well. So yeah, he's going to him with. I think I think a lot of the board and, and <coughs> Risdale himself, so they're all Leeds fans. Yeah. They're all Leeds fans, so it's like yeah. we'll take the risk on on something that might I think happen. that was some of the problem that they were leading that club with their heart rather than their heads, even though the businessmen. Most definitely. And, and and Peter, you know, I I I you know, not just because he was good to us on the contract, Peter Risdale was the life and soul of it, you know, of like Champions League. After every game, he'd be on, the, he'd be singing on the piano, with, you know, with a bit of banter, <laughs> buying, a lad, buying a lad some beers. He caught me coming out of the lift or getting the lift at daft times in on Lake Como and playing the San Siro, like, <laughs> getting another bottle of red lad. <laughs> you know, so it's like, he, he, you know, he, he, as well as it being, you know, he, he had a lot of things probably wrong on that side. He was, he'd be a great chairman to play under, but you know, people are going to say I'm saying that because financially he was good to us all. Wasn't just that. Yeah, he loved the football club. So that, well, that day, yeah. relegation, you know, on TV and everything, the emotion was 
more than clear. Yeah. You said Owen Smith yeah. and Tears I mean, the field. We didn't play well. I think we were down before that day anyway, really. We the performances were poor. And yeah, I mean I mean the Alan Smith one was a class. I mean I remember seeing Alan Smith and I was so good uh, anyway, but he was just literally in tears. I just went and grabbed him, gave him a cuddle actually. Because that's all I could think of at the time. You know, one of your mates is like in a mm. bad place, and we all were. Just grabbed all of them, and that was. And you know, I remember just like trying to go to the fans and clap the fans, and you just thank them for all they've tried to do for us to get us out of that position. But we just didn't perform as players, and you have to take responsibility for for what you've what, what you've done. Because that team, with the players we had, just never should have went down. But you know, I, I always look back and think I did have a good goal myself personally. You look myself in the mirror and say I had a goal. But I still feel responsible. Do you think your head dropped a bit after that in terms of career wise? Yeah, 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 definitely. It took me a bit to get going. In a way, yeah, I was like, I was going to leave Leeds because I didn't want to leave. But yeah, in the end, you know, I committed to Blackburn, and obviously Mark Hughes got the job. Didn't like me, <laughs> so <laughs> so there was no chance of me playing there anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny how football changes so quickly. Even from a relegation to signing for Sunes to Mark Hughes coming in, and I know that he, he doesn't really like me. Anyway, so I think... I was ringing you before you came in. Well, just, just, a, fell out just a man you thing, I think. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I think he, had, he, had, he thought that I was a different person to what I really am. You know, you see Don Mayo, he used to go on the booze when he was younger, played with Liverpool. He'd probably seen me about and heard the stories about the drinking cultures and stuff yeah. like that. He didn't really know me as a, as a guy who goes to train every day and trains hard mm. and works hard on the football field because that's what I did. That's what my career was built on, hard work. Mm. Some big characters in that Blackburn team as well, though. You know, Bellamy, York, David Bentley... Savage. Yeah. yeah. What was he like? Jay Boothroyd? Was he alright? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what uh, oh, well. <laughs> well, wasn't the most hard working. I'll tell you what, right? I'm, gonna say, I'm not going to say a word. You know my thoughts on it. Right? I know. I don't, you don't have to tell me. Don't bother to you. No. <laughs> I think with Jay, you can't tell him anything. He's bigger than he's bigger than what he really is as a player as well. He came in thinking he was the main man and you learn very quickly that you're not the main man. He had ability, but probably didn't have the, the quality to go with that at times and wasn't consistent enough as, as a footballer. But I don't know, he just, he was a bit, is it large you call it, big time? Little, yeah, big, little a bit big twatish. I mean, and to, yeah, but the thing is, I tried to, I, I mean, I tried to, I tried to, You just made a word up there. Twatish. Twatish. No, I, I tried to take, yeah. Yeah, but Parky, I tried to take you. Well, well, twatish. I tried to twatish. take him under my wing a little bit. Yeah. Because I, sometimes when you see players like that and you're a bit older, you think to yourself, can I get older and just say, fucking, you know. Uh, help him out. Yeah, do, you know, fucking don't be doing that. Don't be large either. Don't be driving that. Just do, just keep things. You know, he borrowed a couple, borrowed a few of my cars off me and stuff to fucking get to train. I'd lend him a car or whatever and try and look out for him. But certain players you can't tell and, you know, they never seem to learn. You just can't save some people, can you? That's, that's, <laughs> why, that's, why, that's why. You can't you... educate Paul. Oh, we can that but I've no dinner. But, yeah. I remember when we were having an argument we, uh, with Craig Bellamy when we were at Cardiff and obviously Bellas was coming towards the end of his career and he's having an argument with, with, with Craig Bellamy saying yeah I'm, uh, I'm on the upgrade of my career and you're on the downgrade yeah. and Bellas just like you fucking are you kidding me when we were at Blackburn you got replaced by Shefki Coochie. <laughs> I don't need to say another word <laughs> big unit Shefki Coochie and, and Jay just that shut him up, but he was well. Well, at Blackburn, there were some big characters, like you say. I mean, you have to you have to choose your place sometimes. Yeah. Like you know, Sav and them boys come in, Bellamy. And it was a tough school there, small pros in that dressing room. 
you well documented some of the hard times that you hit while you were at Blackburn and do you think yeah all that I mean that was that was relegation I don't think the drinking was coming me everyone's like I think you're harping about drinking throughout my career yeah I like to pint but I was only to, I had a, I had a punt on the horses. I was betting a bit. I had a lot of horses. I owned a lot of horses. It's different when you're when you're a horse owner to just having a punt. You, you think you're more involved. You think you're only in a circle. Yeah. You think you know a little bit more than everyone yeah, else, yeah. but you don't. You're just getting fed some stuff from your from your trainer. You say, "Oh, this horse will win today. Have what you want on it." And you're yeah. thinking, "All right, that sounds all right to me. <laughs> I'll trust you." Yeah, I'll trust you. But then you've got a few quid sat there because you know you bet to your means in life. If you earn hundred pound a week and you bet ten, that's what you're yeah. doing. It. So if you're you know if you're in I don't know, 40, 50 grand a week, you're betting five, 10 grand a race because that, you, you, that's it. No, it sounds relative. Blah, yeah, it's relative. It sounds blase, but it's not blase, is it? Because if you're earning big dough, you ain't going to have 200 grand a horse, in my opinion, especially if you like yeah. a bet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I think, I think footballers have got addictive personalities as well. I think we can pick up anything that's bad for you along the way. And, but I think footballers are... are people that I mean I think I think gambling in football is an epidemic that's never been really unfolded it's never really come out I think there's so much of it going on I I wouldn't even know where to start with it I think it happens week in week out I don't even think we've touched on it I mean we don't get any help on it either and and gambling if you think about addictions gambling is the biggest one to kick that sounds ridiculous because it's you can have you can have one bet in one day and you can ruin a family's life in your future going forward with drink, it'll take you a while to get through your dough. And, you know, with drugs and stuff, or whatever else it might be, it can take you a long time to get through it. You'll get through it. But with gambling, you can literally ruin things within yeah. a short period of time. And it's very... You can't underestimate gambling. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real epidemic. And, I, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken about this before in football. And there's more people doing it than what we all think. And it's so easy to pull bet on nowadays. At least when I first started playing, you had to go to the bookies. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Nowadays, you just pick your phone off. <laughs> it was like stars in their eyes, didn't it? Yeah. You walk into the bookies on the smoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tonight, Matthew, I'll have, I'll have the 245 inch. <laughs> 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 it did come out stinking well, smoke. Yeah. I remember when I first started Liverpool, Ian Rush and Jan Mulby would be the bookmakers on the bus. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they had the most money. So, you wanted to have a tenner on a horse, they'd take the best on the, on the bus. That's how it was. And then, obviously, nowadays, the lads want to bet. I don't have to tell you, I'm having. Or whatever, moving on the next next race at Woody, whether it be or somewhere, you know, you don't have to tell anyone. It's like you can do it in secret mm, yeah. a little bit, and it's bad. You know, I've had some daft bets over the years. I don't even know why I had them. But like you say, was I chasing something? I don't know. I'm pretty easy going, so I, I don't. You know, the thing is as well, you, you you didn't need the money, did you? No, no. At that point in my life, we do it now. <laughs> <laughs> but that, at that point, yeah, I think well, I think forties. I wouldn't like to have a box and put it all in when it could have been. Oh, you know, okay, no. But no, I, listen, it's it's not a good thing to be gambling, especially when you're playing football. These boys have played in the game. They'll they'll have seen lads that are like yeah. big bets. I've seen them. I've yeah. seen them. On the way to a game, I've seen a, a three-car bread hand with, with eight thousand pound in it. Yeah. Not all cash. Cash. That's oh, what I was going to say. Like, like probably a couple of grand of cash. Yeah. And then the rest, right? Well, I'll, I'll on the way to a game. So that's not whoever's lost that. I lost a bad no money. <laughs> whoever's lost it that, though, your head's like if it is a big, you know, I know it's retrospect to what what you're earning, but if you've lost a, a big race or something, you've chucked however many thousands of pounds on, and you've lost that before a game, you're still gonna in the back of your head, you're fucking hell. It's like a lad who's who's on five hundred quid a week has lost two grand. 
Yeah. I think I think if you're earning that daft dough, I don't think you get that effect though. I don't. I don't. I think if you're earning fortunes and you have a decent bet and you lose, you could have earned the week after anyway. So it's not such an issue. I think it's further back when you were, you know, when you're punting, you couldn't really afford to. You kind of need to win. Yeah, I've, I've seen lads coming from the change rooms at half time, checking the phone to see the yeah, see how the coupons getting on other other horses yeah. coming on. Yeah, and I that's mean, when it affected. Yeah, did you say it affected you, Dom, when you were playing? Was it in the back of your head towards the end? Um, probably a few games, but no, I wasn't. Mad, I wasn't. I've never been that money orientated. I wish I had been. It's kind of like not easy come easy go, but it's like I, I wasn't. I wasn't faced by winning or losing money. Mm. So you've got it under control now. Sam. Oh, completely. Yeah. I mean, when I was when I had my first when I had my daughter Louisa, I literally didn't stop overnight. But everything was there was a purpose to my life. Yeah. Me not having any, any any purpose or any. I didn't have to say for anything. It was just just me. Mm. But then I had someone else to look after. My whole thing perception changed a bit. You know, I still have the odd bet now, but nothing. You know, like the lads talk about a coupon or something. A bit, a bit of summer, I'll have a punt, but it's well under control. And like you say, you know, my kids now, they're, they're priority for the future. You know, I'm going to make sure they've got a, a decent pathway into their educations and life away. And for me, having the, the kids was was the game changer. Correct. So well, I had a good time though as well. <laughs> I must say, I love that they're fucking rich. I must say, you like. I don't want it to sound like it was boring because what, I had some right days out there. Children, two or three days in Cheltenham with the boys, Aintree, you know, all these places called Ascot. Oh man, come on, good, glorious Goodwood. You know, you're also, I've, had, I've had winners in listed races, I've had some big winners myself, my horses won some big races. Unbelievable to be in that winning enclosure with your horse winning. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've had some great times with the, with the horse racing, so I don't want to sound like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know what? The, you, a day out of the racing with the lads or the family or whatever, it, it, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I'll see you at entry next week. <laughs> <laughs> and then Stoke after Blackburn, obviously, the big man here. Yeah, he's after to see Park, he's arse every morning. Back in Ali, he doesn't get pretty sad either. He's just stretching hamstrings yeah. off. Yeah. 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 He's a lot like one. He's all his pairs down, just stretch their hamstrings. <laughs> and King Beach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that was another good atmosphere. You know, even though the football wasn't great at times. Oh, fucking dour. It was dour, but it worked and it was effective. And I think that, I think half the battle was the dressing room. Mm. The dressing room was, if that was a bad dressing room, they wouldn't have promoted that year. I think because the banter was good. And you, you obviously were a, were a big part of that. You know what, you can never be underestimated stuff like that, though, because people, I think in football, you overlook just like, oh, it's all about the top players doing well, scoring goals. It's not just about that, about getting promotion. It's about the shit ones. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. the shit ones will come back and feel people yeah. laugh as well. <laughs> it's, it's a full team effort, isn't it? Yeah. I, played, I played the first 16 games of that promotion season and I was having two or three injections before every single game into my feet, broken two bones on my foot. You remember having them injections? Yeah. They were horrible. I had to eight today. I was having my soles on my feet injected. There's one place in your body you don't want to get injected, it's the soles of your feet. So week in, week out, I was having injected. I played the last game, I think Cardiff, one of your old clubs. And Robbie Fowler was at Cardiff at the time, and I'd gone in, you don't take a doctor in the championship, well, they didn't then, they no. into the away game. So the Cardiff team doctor was giving me... Old Len. Old yeah, Gary, yeah. He was giving me like painkilling injections into my broken foot before the game. And Robbie Fowler coming in was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, no, I just want to try and play a few more games and keep going. But I managed to get 16 games with two broken bones in my foot and having these local anaesthetics. I'd have three in my foot before every game and sometimes in my knee so you know in the end I was just like this isn't great and I remember even last being to a few of the boys at the start saying what are you doing you've got to be careful here and then 
because yeah. of what happens to you later on. Like. Mm. Any standout moments with uh, Mr. Parkin here at Stoke? His dance moves were always pretty good. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. Very underrated. Very underrated. <laughs> Definitely, I can tell you some Barnsley. Yeah. <laughs> um, when we got promoted, we went to Magaluf for a few days. It was just chaos for the boys. Just, uh, just a proper lads few days. Boozing, dancing around. I think, I think the song, the main song, were we're getting salty in the morning. Yeah. yeah. So listen, we've gone to the Premier League. Yeah, we're all getting yeah, salty. We're all going to get fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a yeah. matter of time. Yeah. We're all getting fucked up. <laughs> yeah, no, there was many a good time. I mean, we used to have some good card schools, well, didn't we? Yeah. Better, better a few card schools, better bands. And uh, so you, you've. Uh, Listening to the podcast previously, do you think yeah, you know, they're doing all right. They're doing great. Yeah, I think like you say, it's um, it's it's good to do something like this, isn't it? Because you know, if I'm sure with parking and and, and uh, it's Chris, Chris, yeah, so. <laughs> I'm heading off. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to go in. That's got to go in. Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. it's been a massive <laughs> No, it's, uh, you need to find something to do, don't you? It's a bit like you're sort of doing your apprenticeship again. Of course you are. a different job. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. That is... That is you've got to do the shit before you can... Yeah. Yeah, you've got to do the shit before you can... Yeah, so you latch onto some bloke with a couple of microphones and make the Scottish boats come knocking, could you? That would end you. That would. Well, cheers, Dom. Oh, really cheers, cheers. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Top, I've got another name now. I've got another name. So you know now. Cheers, Simon. Thanks a lot. We've been uh, under the cosh back again. Um, like and subscribe everything on uh, YouTube as always. Make sure you get YouTube. Yeah, on YouTube. We're on the. We're on everything now. Aren't we? Thank you, really. Yeah. So yeah, thanks a lot. Cheers, Dom. Cheers, thanks for listening. Pleasure. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.